Good evening, and welcome back to Saturday Night Supper Club. If you're new to this community, my name is Bob Holloway, and for just a minute, I'd like to take us back a couple of weeks to my last message, which was entitled, What in the World is Going On? You might remember that that message was <clears throat> centered around the, the season we're in right now we find ourselves in, and we were trying to determine what that meant to us as a church. I think uh, my conclusion, at least, was that, first of all, something is going on, and that something for us um, is God. And examining what he's up to at that point is, um, is the point of my subject of tonight's message. You may recall that we looked briefly at the count of the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts as an example of what God did in a sovereign moment in history. Acts is an account of the birth and development of the first church. It is, on the one hand, historical. And yet, on the other hand, I think it's a type of what we're currently experiencing in this season. Maybe, maybe not in the same way, but yet there are some similarities that might be, help us to understand it better. 1 Corinthians 10:11 tells us this, that these things happened to them as examples for us, and they were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So I think there might be, we might learn from God's activity with the first church, and I think it might be significant. For example, what we're facing today in this quarantine experience uh, tells us that um, waiting on God to show up is not a new thing. Uh, Acts 1 began with Jesus speaking his final instructions to his followers, and he said, <clears throat> don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that my Father promised to you. And for some reason, that feels familiar. You see, today that might sound like, well, go home and stay there and occupy yourselves as you wait for what's coming. Now, in the kingdom of God, the activity of waiting is never meant to be passive or disengaged or fatalistic. In fact, the waiting God has called us to is always active. And by that, I mean it's designed to be a time of focusing on and paying attention to what God is doing as we become still. In that inactivity, we learn to ponder the words of God. Now, I know ponder is not a, a word that's used much anymore, but it's the one he, he used with me. And it, and it means taking in all the data of the moment and letting it into your heart and keeping it there so that it might change you, holding that information close to your heart and letting it permeate and change and transform who you are. It's my opinion that we're in such a season now, a time of active waiting. And what will follow this period will be a change that it can only come through a sovereign move of God, I believe. But it will involve us. And I think we're being given notice that that change is imminent. It's coming. And when I use the word sovereign, what came to me into mind was Proverbs 19, where it says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Um, for example, in the time of Pentecost, the Lord determined he would move events in a certain direction so that his purposes would, be, would prevail. In other words, he'd made these adjustments and he built this strategy so that his purpose for the culmination of time would be fixed. He didn't need his people to do anything 
but be still and wait. God did not override their will, though, in order to involve them in his plans. Like them, the choice to do this or to obey him or to be still is ours. But the direction and the timing is sovereignly his. Christine Kane had this to say about the sovereign season of God. And I, I think this is really accurate. She said, God is preparing you for what he has prepared you for. So in the story of Acts 2, we see a season like our own unfolding. And the similarities are striking. Um, Luke's account in Acts 2 says, On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. And it says, Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. And then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. And it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. Now, pay special attention to this next verse because it's very descriptive. And I think it's where I wanted to take this. I believe that this will be also what comes upon the church in the, in the last days for the end of time. It says they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak. And it goes on to say to speak in tongues and so forth. But in this case, they were empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. And I, my case tonight is that we um, have before us a task that requires us to speak in a language we've never learned. My point is we are being prepared for this. Probably not in a foreign tongue, but certainly in a language that will in, engage an unbelieving people with inspired understanding. So the meaning, uh, general meaning of this feeling was that the believers were powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit and were filled inwardly, inwardly for life, and they were equipped outwardly for ministry. So there's two issues here. One is language skills. And these are skills that we will learn. They will come upon us as giftings, and they will need to be developed so that they become mature and effective in our culture. But the second issue is one of the heart. Now, Scripture later shows, and I see as the, as the story unfolds with the church, there was still something missing in their experience with God that would need to be developed. Engaging their culture would require them to have more than language skills, but there would be another infilling of the Spirit that would be that would come to develop their hearts as well as their gifts. You, you remember that they had to encounter um, not of their own doing, they, but they had to encounter the Gentiles. And God provoked them in this so that the, 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 the engagement or the time with these Gentiles they would become something they recognized as being the hand of God. And they would have to learn how to engage a Gentile culture with the heart of God. And that would be something that they would have to develop. So my point is this. We are in a very similar place today as the first church was in Acts. We've been hidden away um, by the hand of God, awaiting something. And we have been given this time to prepare for what is coming. It may not look like the day of Pentecost because that's entirely in God's hands. But God has promised us that the Holy Spirit will once again 
be poured out on God's people to fill and equip us. So I think the question is this, what do we do with that? Let me come back to that in just a moment. Just the other night, my wife and I were watching the first season of the series of The Chosen on YouTube. It was a, it's a series on the life of Jesus and his disciples, and I think it's done really well. As I, as I watched, I was intrigued by the way Jesus encountered people. I, uh, I noticed that he was uh, single-minded in purpose, man of single purpose. It was clear. He hadn't come to argue politics or governmental reform or religion. His mind was on something else entirely. He had a laser-like focus on one thing, and that was reconciling man back to God. Everything else was just baggage. All the people's agendas and expectations, he, t he just ignored them and set them aside in light of one overriding passion. As I watched the movie series, it came to the story of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well in, in John 4. And I was intrigued by the details of that story. Uh, I identified something in Jesus that I believe the church does not yet possess. At least not in our culture. The story unfolds as Jesus is crossing through Samaria on his way home to Galilee. Jesus had come to this village in Samaria by divine appointment. It was set by his father, and he came for one purpose, to encounter a broken Gentile woman with God's love. A single Samaritan woman was that important to God. As they spoke, Jesus looked into her soul, and his understanding of who she was and where she had been, where she had been, revealed her abuse and brokenness. <clears throat> and what Jesus did next is just beyond me. And that is what I want us to look at. When Jesus looks at people, he sees human beings, not adversaries, not enemies, not criminals, not people that he can use for his own success. He sees living people who are helpless to change their lives and desperately in an need of a savior and in that woman from Samaria he saw a human being and not someone caught up in immorality or unclean and his reaction was that it drove him to mercy Matthew 9 tells us when he first saw the crowds his first reaction was he had compassion because they were burdened and helpless there's something about Jesus that's just more than I can comprehend. Deep in his humanity beats the heart of a merciful God and has but one purpose. God always wants to display compassion. Now, <clears throat> it takes maturity to begin to notice people around you. That maturity will come to us as we wait with God. In that time, I believe we will awaken to the reality around us and we will receive his empowering grace to, to um, change our world. I believe he will give us what's necessary to encounter people with his heart. He is asking us first to open our hearts so we may talk, he may talk to us about what he sees.
And that's that don't be afraid. That's not a critical judging way he will come to us. But it's in a way to say, let me show you what's missing in your experience that I want to give you that will help you. Now, I become aware of what's missing in me well, most recently and nearly every time when I read Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. I think these words expose my heart and I just want to read this to you in closing. This is um, Paul's final words on the culmination of everything that's good and all the gifts and everything come to this one place. These are his words. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but I don't love I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. See, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. It, love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. See, just reading that makes me want to be a better person, and, and, and I realize I'm not, but... I can't let that cripple me any longer. There is good news. And the message is that even though I am not like Jesus in my maturity, I can be because he lives in me. And he wants to express himself through me to his people. And because of what Jesus has done to, to bring me to the Father, I have been empowered with a, a different heart. And it only lacks one thing. My surrender and alignment. Today, I want to pray with you to give ourselves to him once again so he might become his heart to this world. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the message of preparing ourselves for what is to come. Give us what we need in this season to represent you well. We are utterly powerless without you, and we admit it today. We also know that who you are lives in us and everything is possible. Today, we surrender to your will and open our hearts to your spirit. Come and have your way. And in this season of waiting and preparing our hearts, we ask you to remove anything that's baggage, anything that's clutter, and empower us with your spirit so that we can become single-minded like Jesus, our Savior. We agree with him. When we declare his words, 
your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. God bless you.